Well, it's great to be back together again, and may I just suggest to you why we gather. We gather to fan the flame of love. We gather to feel, uh, fan the flame of faith, to feel the lift of love, and we gather to renew the story of hope for our lives. And so all of our campuses right now, I would like for you as a statement of faith, hope, and love, if you would repeat after me, with God, all things are possible. Let's do it again. With God, all things are possible. Okay, Kindle Church Online, all of us together, louder. With God, all things are possible. Amen. And this is our hope today from his love that fuels our faith and that makes the difference in our lives. And I need to say this. Thank you for letting me make this journey with you. Thank you for what happened last weekend at the 25th anniversary celebration. Thank you for the way that you have shown multiplied kindnesses and thoughtfulness toward me, toward my wife, toward my family. It was wonderful to have my, my wife's parents, my mother, both our daughters, our youngest grandson, all together with us for that very special day. I want to thank you for the way that you love my family, the way that you pray for and encourage us, and uh, for the journey that we get to make together. May this day be a day of blessing in your journey as well. What kind of blessing? Well, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our selfish grief could just cast like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. One of my favorite reflections from uh, Louise Fletcher Tarkington. And here's the thing. I believe there is such a place. Jesus called it the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the realm where God reigns within us, among us, beyond us, this wonderful land of beginning again, especially, and it's a spiritual realm that is accessible to every one of us by faith, especially those who are hungering and thirsting for a new beginning, for a do-over, for a fresh start, for those who realize their need on Palm Sunday, we herald Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem as the long-awaited king, and we herald it as a people ready for the land of beginning again, and today I'm praying that in making Jesus king of your life, that uh, a new beginning will be yours as well, that this will be a day that will herald a new day in your personal life. Faith, hope, and love coming alive in you, in your spiritual journey, with your marriage, with your family, in your uh, personal life, in your relational life, the good news of Jesus. Finding welcome and then bringing renewal to you. The land of beginning again. Uh, the land of new beginnings is ours today. Would you say that? This is my point today. This, the land of new beginning is ours today. Would you say that with me? The land of new beginnings is ours today, where we uh, cast off our mistakes and our heartaches, and we join Jesus in the new. On this day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, people literally were casting off 
their shabby old clothes. If you look it up in Matthew chapter 21, down around, that as Jesus was making his entrance into Jerusalem, people were taking off their outer garments and they were throwing them at before him. Some of them they used on a donkey that he was riding, sort of a makeshift saddle to make the ride uh, more. I suppose, and then the others, Matthew 21, 7 says that uh, they were spread, people spread their cloaks on the road before him along with branches that they had cut off from trees and palm fronds that were now uh, carpeting the road in front of them and um, in fulfillment of a prophetic word that Zechariah had given 500 years before, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey. Now, in Eastern culture, a donkey was a beast of burden. You know, the horse was the beast of war, the war horse. And yet here comes Jesus, the new king, riding on a donkey. And this is a symbol. We're supposed to understand the symbol that this king comes to bear the burdens of his people. This king comes gentle, is the word. That literally means as one who does not resist. In other words, Jesus does not force his way into anybody's life. Jesus does not force his way upon anybody's life. Instead, he presents himself as a humble king and then awaits your reply. And in Matthew 21, Matthew says, and here's the people's reply. They were peeling off their outer garments and putting them in front, placing them before him and on the donkey, and they were all shouting. It was a noisy day. It was a big deal. It was a big show. Lots of noise. The crowds were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. I mean, they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were taking off their robes, and they were shouting, and they were carpeting the path before him, and then... Some six times in um, six times in Matthew's gospel, people call Jesus Son of David, Hosanna, Son of David. Now we know we know this from his story. He was born in the city of David, Bethlehem. We know that he was from the lineage of David, the great king, God's chosen king, through whom he said he would establish a reign that would last forever, a forever kind of kingdom. And now. People are welcoming him, Jesus, as the greater king than David, the one through whom God would usher in a land of new beginnings, the land of beginning again. But at this point, what we're going to discover, what, what they would shortly discover, and what we, what we need to remember today is that they were right but in the wrong way. Do you know it's possible to be that? You can be right in the wrong way. The people were right in the wrong way. Hosanna literally means save now. That's right. Well, what's the wrong? Well, they were expecting, what they were expecting was more of a warrior king, like, like King David was, um, a political deliverer who would overthrow the injustices of Roman oppression and then uh, and make things right. And others, as they heard the noise, you can imagine the noise, the shouting was going on over here, and people were saying, who is this? What's this about? And, and Matthew says, um, they were told, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, Galilee. 
Josephus, the historian, the Jewish historian, says there were probably some three million people in Jerusalem at this time for Passover. They were commemorating the exodus of Israel from Egyptian captivity, and they were remembering how the death angel would pass over every home that was marked with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the mantle. That's Passover. And so they were right in shouting, Hosanna, save now. But they were, what they didn't know is that Jesus wouldn't be the kind of king that forces a regime change politically or militarily. Now in his second coming, he will fulfill that part of the Zechariah prophecy, of the Isaiah prophecy. In the second coming, there will be regime change. But in the first coming, he comes on a donkey. Why? To bear our burdens. He doesn't come simply as a prophet, though some were saying, oh, he's the prophet. He doesn't come simply to dispense wisdom that will save us by knowledge. He doesn't come as uh, Jesus came to save, yes, but not as one who would save through force, or through knowledge. That's what Matthew is trying to help us see. But he would come as the Passover lamb, the one who bears the burdens of his people's sins. And so I'm just imagining beyond the tree branches that were being laid before him that Jesus was looking just a few days forward down the road to another tree that he would climb where he would bear the sins of the world on a hill called Calvary, right? And then where the cheers, all the shouting cheers of Hosanna, save now, would then turn into the jeers of crucify him, save yourself. And yet Jesus makes his approach, shining his light into the dark streets of Jerusalem, even though the sun is shining brightly. So that a new day can dawn and then whosoever will may come as God awaits your reply. Now, I mentioned in my April at Christ Journey, I don't know if you read that, you know, the hard copy April at Christ Journey article. I mentioned that I have 112 lights in my house. I went through every room, every light bulb, every outlet, and I counted every light in my house. 112 lights. You know, I was surprised. I don't know, maybe this afternoon, whenever you, you know, get back home, uh, don't do it now if you're watching us online. Just wait until after the message, please. But um, go through your house. I think you'll be surprised, too, at how many light bulbs you have in your house. And, uh, and I think, you know, I don't even have to be at your house to know this, that all the hundred-plus lights you have in your house, you don't have them in the same room, do you? No, you've got them strategically placed throughout your house, including in your closets, in your oven, in your refrigerator, right? Um, and even, you know what, even with the, uh, all those lights, I, I counted, uh, that's the, those are the ones, in, that's the inside count of my house. It doesn't include the Florida room, it doesn't include the outside porches and security lights, 112 inside. But even with all of those lights, you know what? I've got three more flashlights placed throughout my house at specific locations, and that doesn't even include the smartphone that I use to kind of light my way in the night through my own house, right? Some of you do that. 
Let me ask you this. What light do you miss the most? And I already, I can tell you the answer to that question. You know which one it is? The one that you need and is not working. Right? That's like, oh man. The one that you need and the bulb is out. Oh man, I thought I just changed. No, the one that you need and is missing. Have you ever done that? You flip the switch on and somebody took the light bulb. And, and you're just like, where did it go? This is the, the one that you're missing. The light that you miss is the one that's out or that's absent. The one that you need when you find yourself in the dark. May I humbly suggest that that's when people in our world miss the light too. When they're really in need and somehow it's missing. It's absent. It's not shining. I probably don't need to tell you this, but God has a plan for lighting his world. And Jesus said, here's the plan. You are the lights of the world. And that he scatters us strategically through the world so that you can let, this is what Jesus said, you're the light of the world, so let your light shine before men so that they can see your good deeds, praise your Father in heaven. What does that mean? So that they can see their way and join a relationship that will cause them to be thankful from the inside. When they think about God, they'll think, oh, I'm so thankful. That's what he's saying. That God has placed us strategically in our world so that his light can shine. Even in the closets, you ever feel like you're the only one out there? That all you got is dark around you? Even in the closets, even in the, uh, the corners to help other people find their way. But if we're missing, here's the question, how will they ever find their way to the land of new beginnings? Got an answer? If our bulb is out, or if our bulb is absent, then how will others find their way to the land of beginning again? How will they ever know what we know, and we come in week after week after week, and we fan the flame of faith, and we feel the lift of love, and we rejoin the story of hope, because we know, but how will they know if the light's out or if the bulb's missing? What would you say? So here's the challenge of today's message. Jesus says, it's your world, light it up. It's your world. Light it up. Let your faith show. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a preacher. No, at your school, at your place of business. But you know what? Every one of us can be a reacher. That's why we just got the light on. We keep the light on so that somebody, we're reaching out. So it's your world. Light it up. Jesus said, then this is what that means. Just go do some good deeds. Let's start there. Just do what's right. Do a good thing. Bring your best to your workplace. Don't scrimp. Don't whine. Don't complain. These are some things that rise to my mind. When find, find your way to be on the solution side of things so that others can be happy you're there. You can pray for the people at your workplace. You said, well, I haven't done that ever. Well, start today. Let's just do it for the next five days. How about that? Pray for the people at your workplace. Pray what? Well, pray that the light will come on. But bring your best to your workplace. Um, pray for the people that you live with. Be kind. 
Be friendly. Don't steal. Don't steal from your employers. Instead, be good. Bring some value with you. Don't be preachy. You don't have to be preachy. Don't appear to be, you know, Miss Always Right or Mr. Sanctimonious. You know how you like that, don't you? So don't miss the up, but don't miss the opportunity to share hope and joy by inviting others into this space. Do good things happen to you when you're in this space? Hey, you know what? It might happen to somebody else too. If we were able to help get them into the space. If they get within range, God might surprise them. It's been known to happen. Last week, one of the speakers quoted what's been credited to St. Augustine. He said, you know, preach the good news at all times. When necessary, use words. Jesus said, you know, that's your world. You're the lights. Light it up. How do I do that? Well, just start by the quality of life you're living in the place where you're living with the people with whom you're living. Good news. The gospel means good news. Would you agree our world needs some good news? Right? And yet, you know what? We're a good news church. Is that right? We're a good news church. We, we got a good news savior who can bring good into bad news places. That's what the gospel's all about. So, so, uh, so with all this good news for a world that could use some help, why don't we just light it up a little bit this week? I'm just talking about the next five, six days. That's all I'm talking about right now. I'm not gonna try to change your life from here to the end. You know, how about just, let's just focus on the next five days. If you're a Christ follower and you would like to say, I need some life change in my world and I wanna turn my, my wattage up just a little bit, then let's just think about the next five days, could we? And if Jesus, for the next five days, you were to believe what Jesus said, that you are the light of your world and he's got you there strategically placed, why? So that the light could come on and that somebody else, you may not even know who they are yet, but uh, somebody else could find their way. Now, sometimes when we think about inviting others to church, uh, you know, your palms get sweaty. There's a little cringe factor. It's like you're already thinking, how much longer, Pastor, you know? Be, you know, it's, it's a little, sometimes we're afraid of being embarrassed. We're afraid of getting ridiculed. Nobody wants to be rejected. Who wants to be the Holy Joe at work, Right? Maybe you'll be criticized. Can I tell you something? I've been all those things. I've been rejected. I've been ridiculed. I've been criticized. I've been called the Holy Joe. Um, and we're not supposed to invite that. We're not supposed to give others the reason for it to stick. Doesn't mean they're not going to say it, but it doesn't mean it has to stick. Um, so please, don't violate company policy. This is an aside. Don't violate company policy talking about church in the workplace. I don't think that helps. When you need to be doing your job and taking care of business, then do that and don't give others a reason to, uh, to ridicule, criticize, or, or reject your message. But here's the thing, you know, we can be available whether in the margins of life. I'm thinking when you're leaving the office, when you're getting in and out of your car, when you're going to the gym, when you're at the grocery store, in the margins of life, that's the place where we can just have an invitation. It can be a casual but positive opportunity to offer a word of encouragement. And it can be just this simple. You know, I don't know if you've got any plans to attend Easter service anywhere, but I got this place that really inspires me. It helps me. And I would be so honored if you would be my guest this Easter. 
And if you're wondering, well, what's going to happen? What kind of church is it, you know? Well, you say, well, it's the kind of church that's got great music. You won't believe the music. It's got an encouraging word. You're going you're gonna to feel inspired, and there's great stuff for kids. Is any of that untrue? And the people. Oh, yeah, we got awesome people. And they don't all just sit on the front row. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) I love you, Althea. The people are what make it sticky here. But you know what happens? We get people within range. They come in here and go, man, it just feels like home. Why do I feel so welcome here? And then God surprises them, right? It's not hard. But for it to be done, you got to do it. So maybe here's a time. We'll just take a little pause right here and just do a little heart check. Can we do that? Uh, just kind of a spiritual gut check, reality check. Ask yourself, do I do that? Do, do I invite others into the space where God can make a difference in their life? And if your answer is yes, then here's what I want to suggest you do right now as an act of worship. Say, thank you, God. Thank you for what happens when I do that burdens are lifted, that prayers are answered, that lives are changed, that marriages are restored, that families are strengthened, that we get to see it right here in this space because it's happening, you know, that people find Christ and they get baptized. Thank you, God, that that happens when I turn my light on in the dark space where I've I've been placed. Now, if your answer is no, you know, I really don't do that, and you're, you're willing to take the risk to step into some danger space here, dangerous to your comfort zone, and you, you actually say, well, no, I don't do that, then here's the question there. Why? Why not? Is it, is it discomfort? Is it that it's too dangerous, that you feel at risk? Is it a lack of love? You know, that the fact, I'm just, you're just thinking out loud with yourself. Is it that, no, I really don't care? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I care about me. Long as I get me there, long as I get my stuff together, then I'm good, you know? Or maybe this is one that comes up for me regularly. I'm just too busy. I got so many other things going on that I got to take care of. And, and here's what I'm learning. Busyness is a thief. And it steals opportunity. And I'm thinking, what a shame that my busyness would keep someone away from their chance for a new beginning, to find the way to the land of beginning again, where their heartaches and their mistakes can be cast off like a shabby old coat, and they don't have to be put on again. Can you imagine that? Or maybe it's that you don't think you've got that kind of influence. You know, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think I would have that kind of impact. Now, Pastor Bill, if you were at my workplace, then you could do No, don't do that. That's not God's plan. God's plan is you're the light of the world. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I just don't think this church is worth sharing. Is that it? Then why are you here? Do you mind if I ask you that? Would you mind if we use your chair for somebody else who could find it worth sharing? Would you mind if we use your parking space? and the seat that you're sitting in for somebody else who would say, hey, man, this is good, so I want to bring my friends. I want to share this. I want to turn my light on. I'm just wondering. It's good enough for you, but not for somebody else? What's going on? You a Christ follower? Are you a something? I don't know. You you fill in the blank. (laughs) 
How long since you've felt a change? Do you, feel that, do you think the gospel really does change lives? How long has it been since you felt a change? Since God has taken you out of your comfort zone and said, I'm here, come with me, I'll, I'll change your life. This could be that day for somebody. You're the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. If your corner's dark, who's going to light it up? What does that mean? What's Jesus saying? Did you know some of the early Christians were also hesitant? You know, they were reluctant about this. Actually, some of them feared persecution, physical bodily harm for their faith. And that's why Peter wrote this, 1 Peter 3. But even if you should suffer for what's right, you're blessed. So don't fear what they fear. Don't be frightened. But in your heart, set Christ apart as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness. There's that word again. Gentle on a donkey. He's not riding in on a war horse. Do it with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience. Live a transparent life so that those who speak maliciously against you, because they probably will, and against your good behavior in Christ, they'll actually be ashamed of their slander because you're still letting your light shine. Be prepared to give an answer. Now, that doesn't mean you got to know all the answers, does it? No, that's not what he says. You just got to be ready to give the answer as to what it means to you and how does it work for you and why does it, why does it matter to you? Maybe that's a good place to start. Just answer those in your head. Jot it down. You know, it, it renews my hope. It helps me go through the hard places. It doesn't have to be a deep theological answer. It just needs to be your answer. Maybe it gave you a new beginning. Maybe it gives you a fresh start. Maybe you come in here and remember that there's an encouraging word for an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution to a very challenging world at times. Peter says this, you set apart Christ in your heart. That's where it starts. What does that mean? It means you simply pray this, Lord, I'm yours, you're mine. That's what that means. I'm yours, you're mine. Thank you for loving me, and I'm here to do what you'd like. How about we try that for the next five days? Just five days. Every morning you get up and you say, Lord, you gave me a new day today. I'm yours, you're mine, and I'm here to do your will. What would you have me do? He's going to say, go shine your light. Do good, share good news, invite somebody to come into the space this next week so that I can do what I do. It can be the simplest thing. It can be a brief prayer before eating lunch. That feels awkward, doesn't it, to even think about that? But here's how I do it. Even if people don't know I'm a preacher, right? I just say, you know what? Uh, I usually say a brief prayer before eating. Is there anything I can ask God to bless in your life? Whether it's the guest that I'm with or the, the server that is taking care of us. I, you know, when they bring the food and set it down, they, go, they say, is there anything else? Then here's an easy thing to remember. You know, we're about to say thank you for this food to God. Is there anything in your life I can ask God's blessing for? And then just watch where it goes. And then, then when, you, when you offer the prayer, don't pray big Bible words. Just say, and Lord, for my friend Jim... And his family challenge, whatever it is right now, would you bless him so that he knows how much you care about him? And thank you for this food. Amen. You know, keep it brief. Don't pray around the world. This is not the time to kick into sanctimonious gear. This is, you know, you just, all you did was say, I live by faith. I live in gratitude. And I'm inviting God's blessing on you. That's, I'm turning my light bulb on right here before lunch. 
and letting it shine the way for somebody else. And then, if the topic of faith comes up later in the conversation, then what are you supposed to say? Then that's where you tell them your reason. Why does it work for you? How does it work for you? Even if you say, you know, I don't really know how it all works. I just know I feel so different. And when I go, it's like I get close to the fire and something reignites in me and it helps me. I'd love for it to help you. Doesn't have to be, you know, right? You see what I'm saying? And then you invite them to come on into the space. Here's what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14. Jesus says, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. Compel them to come in so that my house can be full. We don't know if God's, well, yeah, we do. God's a gambler. God's taking a big gamble. But you know what he loves? A full house. If God's a gambler, he loves a full house. Jesus said, we're supposed to be part of seeing that it's filled up. Pastor Ryan said not so long ago, you know, God can't really do a lot with an empty seat. But you put a person in that seat, and the Spirit of God can do something that can be life-changing. What does that look like? What would it look like for you to shine your light, for somebody else to experience it? Well, let me just give you a few... uh, Things that came to mind. It means, first, maybe, maybe first it just means appreciating life as the gift that it is. Stan Getz, the jazz saxophone artist, uh, fought his way through cancer. And on the other side of that disease, he was asked, what did you learn? And what he said was, life is not a dress rehearsal. Maybe this Easter, I mean, is it time for you to remember that? Life is not a dress rehearsal. This is all you get. This is the real thing. Or is it, do you know somebody for whom that might be a timely reminder? Life's not a dress rehearsal. How about this one? By the way, Easter at Christ's Journey could be a wake-up call for all of us to say, hey, life's not a dress rehearsal. There's a reason to invite somebody. It's your world. Why not light it up? Okay, how about this one? We don't talk about mortality a lot, but on Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday was like opening day of the last week of Jesus' life, and sometimes we need a reminder about that, that we're all just passing through. You know, life is a breath. If life is a breath, guess what? Then we need to breathe in with God in the time that he's given us, right? It's your world. Light it up. How about this one? No one is an island. If you're ever going to show the people, if you're ever going to shower the people you love with love, then this is the time. If you're ever going to connect meaningfully with your faith in God with somebody else, this is the time. Now, I'm not talking about five years from now. I'm just talking about the next five days. How about that? That the next five days could be a connect in love with people you love time. In John 13, Jesus, this is what John said, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Do people in your life know the full extent of your love? How about over the next five days, you were just to reflect upon, how could I show more of the full extent of my love to the people I love? Jesus, in his final hours, would be betrayed, abandoned, beaten, denied, and worse. And yet he did not let the poison of of sin have his heart. That identifies a dark spot that maybe some of us could use a little light in. Stop hugging your grudges. And just let them go. Just try it for five days. You know, you pick it back up in seven. 
But see, if these five days, when the grudge rises, you just say, no, I let that go. I'm not holding on to that for five days. I'm going to stop hugging my grudges, and, and I'm going to be going with the one who, from the tree, the first prayer he prayed was, Father, forgive them. And then you release the pain, and you receive the healing as you let his forgiveness flow. That's one of the ways we light it up in our world. And sometimes in our families, those grudges can get in the way of us showering the people we love with love, can't they? And then finally, how about this? When adversity comes, we just trust God. (laughs) The, The final words, what did he say? You know, Father, into your hands, I commit my, I just put my hands, my life in your hands, God. Maybe this is that day for you. Most of us get at least one knockdown punch in life. A loved one's death, an unexpected disease, a divorce, an economic disaster, a wayward child, you know, an alcoholic relative. Something comes in and bam, man, it's, take, it's like there, he's down. We know those knockout punches. Adversity finds us all eventually. It's part of life. Jesus said this, in the world you will have tribulation. But then he said, take heart. I've overcome the world. And he said that right before he went to the cross. That's always amazed me about Jesus. But he chose in the face of adversity to finish with joy, to trust God and believe that there's more than this life. And then he left this life saying essentially this, the land of new beginnings is ours today. Would you say that with me? The land of new beginnings is ours today. Where did I see that? Well, the thief that he happened to be by on that cross, Jesus has got a light shining right there, you know. And he steps into his darkness. He says, remember me in your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? Today, the land of new beginnings is yours. With me in paradise. Wouldn't it be cool? If this Easter, the someone that God leads you to over the next five days, maybe several someones, don't just find their way into this space this Easter, but oh my goodness, can you imagine if they were to find their way into paradise? And you could learn how to say with Jesus as he let his light shine in a dark place, we're going to be together with God forever. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the way you love us that moved you to move beyond the comforts of eternity past in heaven, aloof from the damage and destruction of sin, the mess that we've made of the world, and yet you stepped right into it in love, and we pray for your people right now, for those of us who've experienced the fresh touch of a new beginning, the fire igniting in us that breathes hope, into our tomorrows and how often have we said I just don't know how people without God do it well Lord then would you help remind us that we're there so that people without God could see how it's done and that we could let our light shine brother, sister would you say Lord I'm yours, you're mine and for the next five days I would like you to use me to show the full extent of your love to people in my path and shine the light through at least a personal invitation to come into this space this Easter, to join us at Kendall Campus this Easter, 
to connect with us online this Easter, to, uh, to join us at Gable's campus this Easter, and then your spirit would so fill every space that every person from the parking lot in would just know what's going on here. I'm feeling something. And it could just all start with the love of a friend or a family member who starts the conversation. Bless our conversations this week. And for you, friend, maybe that conversation, it's time for the response right now. You've already heard the statement. Now God's awaiting your reply. What is your reply to him? Are you ready to peel off that shabby old outer coat and throw it at his feet? And say, Lord, show me the land of new beginnings. You can do it right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I receive you by faith. And I thank you. Now our head's still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would be willing to let me ask God's blessing upon your new first steps of faith, It's a journey, but we're just taking the first steps right now. Would you just simply raise your hand wherever you are? Kendall Campus, our pastors, watching and praying. Church Online, we're available watching and praying. And then right here, where we are, God bless you. To my left, over on the far side and toward the back, amen. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you are in this space right now and that for these who by uplifted hand have signified an open heart, you are now occupying some new space in them. Shine the light brightly so that they might share it with their world as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.